So Roosevelt, of course, started with this mission statement, uh, which I've mentioned before. We seek to engage all people with all of Jesus. In this series, Remember the Mission, what we've been doing is looking at our different values as a way of better understanding about how do we do that? What are some guideposts? What are some ways in which we want to do that, to shape how we engage all people with all of Jesus? And so we talked about our value of diverse family, which speaks to the all people aspect of all people, all of Jesus. Uh, we talked about uh, how we want to be uh, Jesus devoted and biblically rooted so that we might engage all people with all of Jesus. Um, but today, this Sunday, I think what we'll be looking at is the main verb in that mission statement, to engage. Uh, it's all people of all of Jesus, but we say we want to engage all people with all of Jesus. Uh, so we think of engage, engage implies intentional movement, intentional direction. And so the values that speak to that, like when we think, okay, how do we want to intentionally move towards people with all of Jesus? Well, here's how we want to do it. We want to intentionally move towards all people with all of Jesus with a spirit of grace and of service. So those are two values we'll look at this morning. Grace motivated, two last ones we'll look at. Grace motivated and city servants. Grace motivated, uh, we'll look at this this morning in terms of how I think that should involve the way we engage one another in our church. All people, all of Jesus includes our church. Uh, and so how do we engage within our church? Uh, I want to use grace motivated as, as a way of thinking through that. Um, and then city servants is a way of thinking through the spirit by which we want to engage people from outside of our church, in our neighborhoods, or our workplaces, our schools, et cetera. How do we want to engage them? Well, we want to do it in a spirit of service. And city servants is how, we want to, how I want us to think through that this morning. So we're going to start with grace. And to think about grace, well, the only place to start with grace is to start with God. We can't understand grace apart from God. This is from Exodus chapter 34. Grace begins with God, and, and, and grace is fundamentally who God is. Notice how God describes himself here in this passage. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, this is Moses, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. See, you always pay attention to the places in the Bible where God describes himself. It's God saying, like, look, you want to know who I am? Here's who I am. Pay, pay. When you think of me, think especially of this. And what does God say here? Here's how we want to especially think of God. When we think of his name, here's what you should attach to his name. It's that God is a God of mercy and grace. This whole description is an emphasis on God showing grace, God showing favor towards us. And let's understand, God could show something different towards us. He could show complete fairness. Mankind, as, as a people, as a race, we have rebelled against God. We don't listen to God. And God rightfully could judge us. That's fair. You do the crime, you pay the, you do the, crime, you pay the time, right? We, we know that. That's what we say. But that's not what God does. God says, when you think of me, think of someone who willingly delays judgment, who's patient and provides space instead for him to show goodness and love towards us. And that's summed up, especially in this one key thing, God sent Jesus to save us. Goodness and favor, grace shown in Jesus' coming so we might find life and salvation by faith alone in Christ. Our whole salvation, our whole way of knowing God and even having a relationship with God is entirely because God is gracious. That's why we see in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. 
And this is not your own doing. You did not make this happen. It is a gift of God. One author puts it this way. Grace is not something proceeding from our own nature or from our own will or effort, but it's something wholly other, which proceeds from God and is exhibited on the cross of Christ. Grace exists because God exists. I want you to understand, like, we human beings would not naturally evolve towards grace. Just look around in non-humans, right? Uh, a snake, a hungry snake comes across a mouse and doesn't say, I'm going to show grace towards this mouse today and go in another direction. That never happens. <laughs> that snake eats that mouse. That lion hunts down that, that gazelle. That, that's what happens. Like we, all around us, in, in the non-human life around us, it's motivated by instinct, by power, by control, by what is best for you. And yet, in humanity, we have the opportunity to express something different. We have this category that makes no sense. I do something that's better for you than it is for me. I give up something for your benefit, and I'm going to lose it. And I can't get it back. I can't earn it back, but I still give it towards you. What is that? How do you explain that? The only way to explain that is that there is a divine being who is grace. And he's extended grace towards us, and that's why we have grace in our world. We have a God who shows goodness and kindness and favor towards us. And we could never earn it. We don't deserve it. We can never pay it back. But God still shows it towards us. And that's why it's grace. That's why it's grace. And understand, this grace is why we're saved. But also, it's what keeps us saved. It's how we continue to be able to be in a relationship with God. Grace draws us to God, but then we continue to live lives before God, a relationship with God, because of grace, because of his divine grace. It empowers us and enables us to live saved lives because God continues to extend grace towards us. This is why Paul can say in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, he says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. All Paul is, all that he's done since he became saved is because of the grace of God. Luke in Acts 14, 26, he says, Antioch is the place that Paul and Bartimaeus, and he writes this, had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had fulfilled. The mission work of Paul and Bartimaeus depends on God's continuing grace. It's not their strategy, it's not their intelligence, and they had a lot of strategy, they were smart guys. But the gospel writer writes, it's because of God's grace. They're commended to the grace of God that we should ever even think of them being able to do the mission work that God had called them to. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, Paul's talking about this persistent problem that he has. And he's prayed for it to go away, and it won't go away, and it's his weakness in his life. And he then says this, I'm able to handle it because of the sufficiency of God's grace for me, shown in God's power being made known in his weakness. Here's this weakness in his life that should cripple him, cripple other people. And yet he sees the grace of God in this, that God actually is empowering him through that weakness. So in good and bad, in everything that we do, we experience grace. That everything about our relationship with God comes out of the fact that we stand in a reservoir that is infinitely wide and infinitely deep of the grace of God, of God's goodness and favor and kindness towards us. It's because that's where we are, because we live in such wide and deep grace, that's how we're able to show grace to one another. We draw from the grace that God has given us. This is how we have relationships then in the life of the church. Here's the glue for us to relate to each other in church community. 
In the same way God is related towards us, we relate to one another. God generously doing good towards us allows us to generously do good to one another. On our website, we describe this value of grace motivated in this way. We show kindness and favor to one another while being willing to forgive and eager to bless each other. Now, when we say eager to bless each other, that means we want to be predisposed to to look out for one another, to say good things and do good things that benefit one another in this church. We're eager, not reluctant, not stingy, (laughs) but eager to bless one another. Willing to forgive means that when conflict happens, which will happen in every relationship in every church. Pick the church throughout church history, there has been conflict and tension. It will happen. A willingness to forgive means that there's always ways for us to reconcile. There's always opportunity for us to address what's gone wrong, for it to be confessed, and for reconciliation and restoration to happen. And the reason we can say we're willing to forgive is because of grace. Because we're willing to lean in towards one another. Divine grace. Here is the key ingredient that makes church work. Here's the key ingredient that makes this particular church have any hope of working. Over the years, I've been asked about, so what is it like leading a diverse church? How do you lead a diverse church? And one of the things I've said a lot recently is that it's really hard. (laughs) It's really hard. Um, Just honestly, there's times I'm like, man, why am I doing this? It's really, really hard. Um, It's harder than I appreciated when, when I first started out. And arguably, in 2022, it's pretty much impossible. And that's harsh to say, but in, in this year, in this country, there's too many differences, uh, too many tensions, too many more boundaries than when I first started. And so arguably, it is impossible to lead a church that is multi-demographic in any particular way. I'm not even just talking race ethnicity. I'm talking like class. I'm talking education levels, all these different things, um, social status, all those things. It's, it's pretty much impossible. It's way easier to cater to one particular demographic and to build community around that. And here's the thing. I'm more sympathetic to that. Like that, There's legit community that can happen sort of around one particular demographic. God can do great things through that. And that, it does. He does. At the same time, I want to say it's still possible. It's still needed for God to bring peoples together in ways that we ultimately will be one day. And not just one day, but now. In 2020, yes, even in our country. For God to bring peoples together in ways that cross ethnic and social and class boundaries. And, and the only way that works is if there's at least one key ingredient, one thing you have to emphasize over and over and over again that you never get tired of saying, and it's this, that we show grace towards one another. Because God has shown us grace, we show grace towards each other. That is, that's one of the things that if you have any hope of having community that crosses lines and divisions, Grace is one of the ways that's going to happen. I mean, it explains how God crossed the division of sin between us and the biggest division in the universe. And God invites us to then use that same way by which we relate to each other. Grace means that a church that's engaging one another with grace always has the means to navigate its relationships, even in differences, even in conflict. See, think about when there's conflict, there's a lot of different ways of handling it. And right now, some of the more popular ways of handling it are, well, to fight back, 
uh, I heard one, one leader say, like, we fight fire with fire now. Look where the world is going. Uh, it's a church leader. <laughs> We're going to fight fire with fire. Like, like what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> You're going to fight fire with fire? Man, but it makes sense. That, that works. So we can handle conflict fighting fire with fire. We can handle conflict by holding a grudge. So, you know, you did this, and I'm just, I'm, I, man, I'm going to kill you in my mind over the next 20 years. <laughs> right? Um, we can gossip about it. We can um, tear people down and, and talk about them behind their backs. There's, there's all sorts of different ways in which we can handle conflict. We can seek revenge. We can wait for opportunity to get them back. All different ways of handling conflict. Here's one that the Bible puts before us. Grace. The grace of God. And the grace of God to show goodness and favor, which doesn't mean that we ignore things that are going on. It doesn't mean that when stuff happens, we, we, we pass it over. Uh, reverse communities doesn't mean like here's something that's really difficult and hard and just too hard for us to deal with. It's, it's, it's potentially divisive, so we can't deal with it. That's not grace. I mean, if you're wild out, you're doing something crazy, look, I'm going to call you on it. Right, so you know. <laughs> right? We're going to address it. It has to be addressed. Grace doesn't mean we ignore things. Grace tells us how we deal with those things that are in front of us. Here's a problem. Here's a tension. Here's a sin. And here's how we deal with it. Not with a desire to condemn. Not with a desire to win one over you. Not with a desire to overpower you. But a desire to love you. And a deeper desire to see you restored. To see restoration of relationships. Again, that can only happen through clear confession of sin. We've got to admit something's going on. It can only happen by a willingness to repent, begin to at least do some work to turn from what happened, a willingness to receive that repentance, to forgive, to not hold it over you and bring it back five years from now, but to say you've confessed it, you're dealing with it, you're trying to repent, so I'm willing to forgive you, and then I'm willing to step in some kind of reconciled relationship with you, which may look different, we may require work, but I'm still willing to do that. All those things are not easy they're difficult, and yet grace allows us to do it. Grace allows us to do it because that's what God has done for us. That's what God has done for us to save us and to keep us safe. Grace allows us to always be motivated by love and care and relationship with each other. To have the means to say that no matter who you are, no matter what has happened or what will happen, if we're in community together and we're in community where we both acknowledge we've received the grace of God in Jesus Christ, then we always have the means to show the same grace of God in Christ towards one another. And so, as we look at our community now, I mean, there's a lot of new people, a lot of new relationships. Grace allows us to move in goodness towards each other and to cross the boundaries of awkwardness and discomfort. I recognize, like, forming new relationships, meeting new people, connecting. I was reading an article that over time, I think after 30, people sort of stopped doing it, right? Because it's just hard, it's difficult. Um, like grace allows us to cross that, that boundary that may seem uncomfortable and push to know people, even people who are different to us. So grace in this new season of Roosevelt requires us crossing those boundaries to form the new relationships that we have to, to keep going in the ways that we are. Grace allows us to keep in relationship with one another, to have empathy and care and look out for one another, to be, as I said, willing to confess sin, repent, forgive, reconcile, my prediction, I think, pretty confidently over the next few years is that we in this country will have less empathy, more anger towards another, more division. I think that's a pretty fair prediction. I, I, I don't think uh, 
I don't think I'm proving my, my gifts of a, as a prophet in saying that, <laughs> right? <laughs> Which I, I don't think I have. Uh, but this one, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's pretty clear. Um, I think that is pretty clear. That's what will happen over the next few years in our country. Uh, but by God's grace, that won't happen in churches, and particularly this church, to the degree in which we say we have grace. And from grace, we will always draw empathy. We'll always draw care. We'll always draw sympathy. We'll always draw goodness and love for one another. We will always lean in to even generously outdo one another in showing good and favor towards each other. So grace motivated is a way of us thinking through how we live in relationship in our community, in this church. Next value I want to think about is how we then engage from outside of our church. And that value is that we want to serve those around us that we are city servants. The value, the passage I always think of when I think of us being servants to, to those around us is Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 to 28. So in this story, the disciples, and disciples, I think, seem to regularly do this. They would argue about who would be the greatest alongside Jesus. And so two of the disciples realized, well, we should ask Jesus now about this. So James and John go to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you put us in the top position next to you? Because if we're in the top position, then, well, who cares what you all are doing? We're obviously the greatest. The other disciples hear about it, and they're mad, right? You got there first. <laughs> That's not fair. Jesus eventually calls them over, and here's what he says to them. He says, this is verse 25 of Matthew 20. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. So Jesus acknowledges this is how things normally work. This, this, is, this is how things happen. If you want to be great, successful, here's what you do. You've got to get the top spot and then gather as much power and authority as you have to lord it over people. Or to make sure people come under you and are submitted to you and that you have the power and the authority, that you are great. And that makes sense. Greatness only really works to the degree in which it's comparison to other people. I am great to the degree in which you're not great. <laughs> right? My greatness doesn't really work in a vacuum. Greatness is always in comparison. Greatest, right? Great, greater, greatest. Someone can be in the great position, someone can be in the greater position, but to be in the greatest position, you've got to make sure that as you're in a relationship with people, you make sure that they're falling under you and get the status and the attention that you need to make sure that happens and use your status and the power that comes with your status and attention to make sure that no matter wherever the ranking happens, you're on top, that you're there. I'm great. And it's because you're not as great as me. So that's what Jesus says. That's normally how things operate in the world. He goes on to say this. It should not be so among you. Whoever be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Jesus specifically tells the disciples, this is not how it's going to be for anyone who wants to follow me. We say that again. We do not act like the world does. We're not allowed to. We can't. If that's what you want, like, you got to pick something different, right? Find a different religion. Find a different someone to follow. Jesus says, you're going to be with me. You're going to follow me. It's not going to be like this. But look, I know you care about greatness. Let me tell you what greatness looks like. Greatness looks like how much you serve other people. Here's how I flip it, right? It's flipped for those who follow Jesus. Greatness is shown by the degree in which we aren't dominating over the people, but actually putting other people's needs above our own, making their needs our priority, even at the expense of our needs and our interests. 
And the basis for this is Jesus himself. Jesus is not asking us to do something he himself has not done. Jesus, if there's anyone who has power and authority, it's Jesus. And rightfully, rightfully, he, can, he should dominate over people, overpower people, crush people. Not do anything that's good for them because he has the power and authority and he's right, it belongs to them. He, he was there at the beginnings of the world, created the world. But instead, Jesus says, I've come to this earth and I'm using my power and authority not to water other, other people, but to serve others, to serve them even to the point of giving up my life to save them. Jesus says this, even then as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We serve others because of Jesus, who in all his power and authority used it to serve and bless others, to save others. This is Philippians chapter 2, verses 47. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Not just what's best for you, but what's best for those around you. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We get that we aren't naturally going to do this, so you've been given the mind of Christ to put others first. And here is what that mind is towards. Verse 6, for who though he was in the form of God, did not account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptying himself by taking the form of a servant. That means as followers of Jesus, yeah, we get to know the people around us, the people in our city, the people in our neighborhoods, and we do so not so we can gain something from them, so we can see how they can advance our own goals, but so we can better know them, so we can see better opportunities to serve them, to help them, to do good towards them. We show less concern about our status and more concern about the status and profile of those around us, especially those who are most overlooked, who have the lower status and have no opportunity to be noticed and paid attention to. We think of how we might serve them and use what status we have and extend it. We almost like broaden it out to lift them up. In this church, we have talents and skills. We have varying degrees of money and resources. In this church, we have varying degrees of advantages and privileges based on our education, our race, our ethnicity, our gender, our immigration status. In this church, there's people with homes, with jobs, with free time. In this church, well, all of you, you've got hands that can do things. You have feet that can take you places. You have words that can say things. And God has given us all those things in this community. He's given us all those things so we can put the interests of others above our own. So we might serve those who are regularly around us. God wants us to look at the people in our neighborhoods, the people in our workplaces, the people in our schools, the people in your favorite restaurants and gyms, and bars, and cafes, and all those places, and say, how might I use what God has given me for their good? That in fact, there are people who God has intentionally brought into your life. The goodness of God will only be experienced through you. It's no one, no one else is coming around. There is no one else but you who might have the actual ability to see them better than their own family members see them. To notice them in ways their boss does not notice them to pay attention to them in ways that people maybe for years have not paid attention to them and to know how you might say what's good and do what's good, how you might graciously bring in that, that, that value, but graciously serve them, intentionally serve them. We do so because that goodness, again, is a reflection of an ultimate goodness, that 
that by God's grace, God has put us in the lives of those around us so that the goodness of God might be found in the lives of people who might seem far away from it, but you're like an avenue, a channel to it. You're like a shortcut, in fact, to it. Here they are, and God seems distant, and God has put you into life as an instant shortcut to find the goodness of God and to only find Jesus in your service towards them. You paying attention, and even in a small way, might bring divine goodness and light into their lives. Over the years, uh, what God has done is allowed that to happen over and over again in surprising ways, in wonderful ways, in small ways. Looking at the life of, of Roosevelt, um, you know, just, just look in our local neighborhood of Roosevelt Road, just, just a quick sort of almost memory lane type of thing. Uh, I was just reflecting back with some people and the things God has allowed us to do. Um, for many years, Roosevelt Row was dead, nothing here. Uh, the first restaurant to open up was Carly's, and I used to stop by Carly's Saturday night after I was done with my sermon to buy something, not because I was hungry <laughs> or anything, but just to, I mean, just to bless them and to, to, to get to know her and to support that restaurant. And praise God, it's still there. <laughs> and not only that, I mean, like, I'm surprised, like, she remembers it. Like, I thought, like, this is not a big deal. <laughs> I'm surprised she remembers that. I'm surprised just how much we've done all along Roosevelt Row to, and how many ways in which we have done good and served in ways that maybe sometimes we're noticed, but other times we're not noticed. So one of the things that's happened on Rose, uh, that we've done as a church, different small groups of ours would pick up trash after First Friday, which was a lot of trash, by the way, <laughs> right? <laughs> been First Friday. Um, back then, Roosevelt Road didn't have the financial means to, to clean up afterwards, and so some of, a lot of our small groups would volunteer pick up trash, we also would loan out tables and other things for different events Roosevelt Row was doing. Again, that's us seeing God has placed us in this neighborhood not just to meet on Sunday mornings and to head out, right? right this, that's, we're, we're here for more than that, for more days than this, that. There's a ways in which we're trying to see good and do good. Over the years, Roosevelt has passed out various essentials to the homeless in our community. Um, more recently, during the, the pandemic, uh, our, our church, I don't know if you guys knew this, we uh, bought laptops for different families who needed it, bought groceries, uh, we donated to churches who are struggling financially during the pandemic. Um, looking beyond our country, Roosevelt has for many years uh, helped support a church plant in Kenya, and as part of that partnership, different groups of us went down there, and we financially, and also just even just by our presence, supported the work they did to build schools and wells of water for, for the community there. Uh, also more recently overseas, this is like the last couple months, uh, we've sent Bibles to churches and pastors in uh, D.C. Conga, uh, Bibles in Swahili, so they could read the Bible in their own language. Uh, we've helped support a new church starting in Grenoble, France. Uh, this church has helped uh, support churches that were bringing food and other supplies to Ukrainian refugees. Um, so that's overseas, but then again more recently, but actually more locally, I, I guess I think many of you are aware of this, one of the biggest examples we are more recently have been I think serving our city is a, a free woman's self-defense class that we've been offering twice a month on Sundays, uh, on Saturdays. Um, that has been unexpected, right? We sort of started doing this, and to see that grow has been awesome. <laughs> uh, an unexpected but powerful way to, to really serve the many, many women in our area. Now, again, I've been looking at this sort of, sort of as a macro church, but you should know just even individually in the life of this church over the years, and again, I, I say this to praise God, right? to praise God for what he's done. Over the years, you should know some of the stories of what's happened in this church. Over the years, many people in this church have shown hospitality. And not just, I'm hospitality by inviting people for meals, but a number of families have actually invited people to live in their houses 
sometimes homeless people, uh, sometimes uh, uh, single moms, other times people just struggling to get to, to get to, to get going, right? Uh, just trying to get that first job, whatever it is. Over the years, many of you have brought people into your homes. Over the years, uh, people have given financial advice and legal advice uh, as, and donated tons of their time to help people in situations that they're facing in those areas. Sometimes it's straight up cash money, because we know sometimes it's just cash money that's needed, right? To pay bills, <laughs> right? To pay a rent, uh, to, get, to get something taken care of that otherwise you would not be able to take care of. And individuals in this church have stepped up over and over and over again to do that. Sometimes it's just helping people move. We know moving is terrible and horrible, and it's nice to have people who help you, <laughs> right? Um, other times, it's helping people find jobs. I know some of you have given that reference or, some, or, or hired someone uh, to be able to help them get started for any particular direction. Uh, sometimes it's just basic home repairs. Some of you, you know your tech stuff really well, and we're thankful for you, right? So we can get those things working. Um, as it says on our website, uh, we are city servants who want to use what we have for the good of the people in our city. Praise God for all the ways in which that happens. And I think that's one of the things I'm trying to do more of in this new season of ministry is just acknowledge here's what God has done. And not for our intention, our glory. It's why I haven't sort of mentioned the names of everyone involved with that. Praise God for those people. But to say here's what God has done through people and God gets the glory for it. So praise God for what he's done. And let's pray that God would only increase it. And towards that end, um, that God would increase us, again, being grace-motivated and city servants, that that would inspire all the ways in which we engage those around us as a practical way. And maybe it's just kind of a spark for us in this new season of ministry. We're going to be some really practical things to do. Um, even today, or, or maybe uh, over the next uh, week or a couple months, ways to, so if we can bring these sort of two values together, ways that we might bless those around us. Bless and do good to those around us. So first thing, and maybe some of you already read this. You got a little alert about this in the newsletter uh, if you subscribe to it. Uh, we encourage you this Sunday, um, and if, if not this Sunday, maybe later this week, to go out to lunch with someone in this church community. Um, because guess what? Like, meals have this magical way of helping you get to know people. Right? It's been working for since human history. And so how might you just get together with someone in this church community Get to know them so that, guess what? Like, you'll know how to show grace towards them. You'll know how to do good and favor towards them. you know how to pray for them, how to notice things that maybe you have connection with them, or even the differences that you have, how God has navigated those differences. So I encourage you to grab lunch with someone, perhaps this Sunday or, or later this week. And by the way, this is also a way to serve our community by patronizing local restaurants around here who depend on people like us coming downtown and participating in the life of the community here. For those of you who would benefit from that or would be blessed by this, we did buy uh, a limited number of gift cards to some of the local places around here. So you see Amy back there uh, in the blue dress. So uh, if you want one, we got one for you, <laughs> all right? If that would uh, bless you. And again, find someone here, uh, maybe someone sitting next to you. Uh, I don't care who it is, but uh, take advantage of that. So here's one way in which we might bless those around us, in particular our local neighborhood. The other thing I, I'd encourage you to do uh, again, sticking with this idea of, of uh, a meal or, or, or maybe it's a coffee or a drink if you're so inclined, whatever it is, um, you dedicate uh, once a week, and if that's too much, twice a month, all right? I'll, I'll give you an out. <laughs> but once a week or let's say twice a month, intentionally do a meal or coffee or drink, whatever it is, with someone who's not part of Roosevelt. Uh, you, you, and think of just the many 
you know, uh, most of them, I don't, not everyone eats uh, three meals a day, so I'm not, I'm not saying there's 21 spots potentially, <laughs> but potentially there are. And in addition, there's little things you do in between those, a ton of them, right? So let's say there's 30, 40 times in which you're, you're getting a drink, coffee, you're getting uh, some type of meal or something like that. 30 or 40 times over the course of the week. How might you give just one of them? Just one of them, once a week. For those of you who like, that's too hard. <laughs> Two of them, right, in a month. And connect with someone who's not part of our church and someone who's not necessarily, I'm, I'm going to say this too, not necessarily spiritual or believes the things that you do, but you just intentionally connect with them in some particular way over coffee, meal, whatever it is. Um, again, so much of what I'm talking about here is putting us in position to see people, notice people, so that we might begin to serve and do good towards them. What I think is, I, I, in talking about this, this topic, I'm, I'm sort of optimistic that those of you who are Christians, like, you, you, should, you should be naturally drawn to this. Of course, I should do good. Of course, I should serve. Especially if you're aware of all that God has done to save you. And some of you, I mean, you had some ratchet backgrounds, right? And God <laughs> did a radical work. Praise God. <laughs> right? Amen. Amen, somebody. All right? And some of you, I mean, like, you, you grew up in a great place and great church community. I mean, man, you didn't deserve that just because you got born. I mean, <laughs> just because you got born and you had a great home life and everything else, like, that's the grace of God, the goodness of God. If you, the more you've experienced that, the more you know, yes, this idea of doing good and serving others, like, there's, you're drawn to this. But the barrier, I think, for many of us is that we don't do the things that put us in a position to do good and show grace and service towards one another. Again, I'm convinced over time, the longer you live, the more your circle, your circle actually shrinks, right? Because over time, you begin to say, well, yeah, here's the people who get me. Here's the people I know. I've got my kids, right? I'm not, I'm not caring about other people's kids, right? <laughs> I'm not caring about other things, right? I just, I just got this. Again, like, you signed on to something bigger than yourself, a cosmic mission, a universal over the course of human history mission to bring the goodness and grace and light and glory of God all over this universe. And so this is an invitation to put your position to bring that into other people's lives. And so this idea of connecting with someone uh, over meal, coffee, drink, in this church, connecting with someone outside of our church, someone even who's not a believer, over those same type of things is an opportunity to be where God wants you to be. And I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit is going to work in your heart and life, that you don't have a dead heart. <laughs> you have a heart that's going to be open and see what God might do, and then you begin to see and notice what's going on in people's lives so you might say the good things and do the good things in their lives. And last thing practically that I encourage us to do is, um, and this is particularly to notice those who might be most not noticed, most overlooked, who we pass by quickly because they smell bad or they look a little, they look, they look, they look, they look bad. Um, we have, uh, we'll be set up in the, uh, the lobby, one of our families is, Graciously put together a number of different uh, bags of food, bags of snacks, snack bags, and uh, toiletry bags uh, that we at the church periodically pass out to, to those in need uh, throughout the week. I don't know if you knew that. Uh, as people come to our doors, uh, we'll give those out. But we wanted to sort of periodically extend that to our church community. And so pick out, pick one of those bags of, of snacks or toiletries, and maybe it's someone you see begging on the corner. Uh, maybe it's someone you see resting in an alley somewhere. A number of people. Uh, in the park, uh, who have clearly, uh, I mean, who, who, who've had rough lives. Uh, use that as an opportunity to bless them and to do good. Uh, like, giving snacks and water and toiletries is always a blessing. <laughs> it's always a blessing. So how might you 
see them and give those things for their benefit, for their good. As I said, it's an initial spark. An initial spark to go in directions that God wants us to go. And the prayer here is that God would bless our efforts. God would bless our efforts, that he will be glorified as we continue to engage more people, all people, with all of Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for this time. Thank you for this community, Lord, um, and uh, just looking out in the faces here and, and sensing the spirit here, Lord. I know, Lord, that we are eager to be used by you um, in all the ways, Lord, that we've talked about. And so fill us with a sense of love and grace towards one another in this church in these moments. Lord, incline our hearts towards the person next to us, the person in front of us, the person behind us. Uh, may we notice things from week to week. Um, that we might show grace. May we be willing, Lord, especially over these next couple years, <laughs> to show grace, Lord, as, um, Lord, our world continues to show the evidence of, of a world that's far from you. Um, and so, Lord, may we show grace, and then on the basis of that grace, Lord, may we then serve others. Serve others in this church, Lord, but in particular, Lord, and I to serve others from outside of our community. And, Lord, even this small way in which we're talking about, Lord, creating, giving up a time slot. <laughs> Lord, it's it's... It's such a small thing, Lord, and it's something we hold on very precious, Lord, our time to do what we want to do, giving up a lot of our time to meet with someone and to connect with someone, Lord, and, and recognizing, Lord, that that connection, Lord, um, in all the different neighborhoods and places around us, Lord, over a meal or coffee or whatever it might be, Lord, might be one of the most important things that happen in people's lives, Lord, that we might extend that, and, Lord, I am praying in faith that you would bless that effort. Lord, may that happen from us, Lord, as we go out as individuals, as couples, as families, Lord, but then... Expand the ways in which we do that as a church, Lord. And, and I don't know what that looks like in this new season, Lord. I imagine there's new things and other things, Lord, to add to the list of things you've done over the years. And I just sort of say in faith, Lord, uh, make us ready for those things. Continue to supply what's needed uh, so that your good might be done, your name praised, that more people might know all of Jesus. And through these things we pray, amen and hallelujah.